Hello and welcome to the What the What podcast. It's the podcast where we tell you what's nerdy, what's popping with culture, what's giving us all the nostalgic feels, and what there is to geek out about past, present, and future. It's all the what's in one place. I'm Eric Creech. We have Kyle Whitley. And on the What the What hotline, because we have one of those now, we have Ashby Brame. Passable? Nice. You give me passable? Are you... You know what? We, we spent, spent an, an hour, hour trying, trying to get her this on right. this podcast, and the first thing she does is... That was passable. Gives us credit. If I accidentally hit the in button on the phone, you know, it was an accident, I swear. <laughs> oh, glad Ashby could join us on the phone, because she makes our podcast complete. <sighs> See? Yes. Uh, we are firmly into December now, like the Christmas season is upon us. Ashby, I'm sure you've decorated like a million things in your house at this point. How many Christmas outfits does Delta have? That's a good call. Her, her. Okay, I was gonna say her first Christmas, and she has no Christmas outfits. She's got a hat. So She's got a hat. That that applies. That's good enough. You know, just like our setup here. So good enough. Kyle, have you decorated? Yes, we've cool. been decorated before Thanksgiving. Cool. Sounds Not like exterior. I realized that blowing up the uh, trash can this week that I looked and I was like, I never put any wreaths outside this year. They're all still in the attic. Yes. But our neighbors did. Like, you can see his lot really well. Okay. And so, Mike and the Davis family go all out. There's lights everywhere. Uh, there's a Jesus uh, statue with Mary and Joseph. And then there's a, literally an angel hanging from above, like, over top of them. It's awesome. pretty neat. Awesome. Cool deal. How about you? You there yet? Um, If I send y'all pictures over the weekend, don't be surprised. Oh, yeah? Oh, yeah. Okay. We're getting so there. We're getting there. Um, this is exciting. Yeah, you be excited. In a world. In a world where Eric decorates for Christmas. That's a that's a TV show that, waiting that, to happen. That is a TV show waiting to happen. Well, we want to thank you, the listener, for joining us today, where we're here to remind you to take it easy on the fluids. The rubber sheets are packed. And also, to please subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And, of course, rate and review us. We take five stars only, like the Plaza Hotel. Um, Very nice. Yes. Please also follow us on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram at What the What Media, all, all one, one word. word. And find us on Twitter at WTW underscore media. And we would like you to please share this with your friends if you enjoyed today's episode. Or maybe you'll enjoy one of the 74 other episodes. Yes, this is episode number 75 in the archives here. Yes, 75 episodes. It's crazy. Um, we were just at like We've made 50, like. Back in July. So, I mean, we've... Ashby, you've been with us for like 30 episodes at this point. I mean, it's pretty crazy. That's almost half. That's almost half. That's how math works. Mm -hmm. So, uh, if you enjoy this episode, please uh, share this with your friends. And, yeah. So, last week on the podcast, uh, we had our first and maybe only Christmas meal draft where everyone 
for the most part, was pretty happy with their meal selections. Uh, on today's... To be fair, before we jump ahead, like, <laughs> you were the one that was a little upset about your meal getting changed. But if we go back to social media... Oh, yeah, the social media loves my meal. meal. They, they love the meal. With you. That's right. And Think of how much, how many more people would have loved it had I been allowed to draft my um, my roast. Um, you, so you don't even know what yeah, it was. It's it, prime yeah, rib. exactly. For my prime rib. But everybody yeah. wanted your roast instead. Yeah, exactly. So, and my uh, my hoo hash. Mm. Mm. Anyway, um, on today's episode, we are taking a deep, deep dive, dive into oh. Home Alone <laughs> Two. Here is your spoiler warning for today's episode. If you have not seen Home Alone Two. Well, get on Disney Plus or check your local cable listings because it's sure to be playing somewhere this time of year. And watch this Christmas classic before going any further into this episode. Howdy do. This is Kyle Whitley, the father. Future father. I'd like to recap. I'd like a recap of this movie, please, with an extra large bed, a TV, and one of those little refrigerators you have to open with a key credit card you got it this is the place to offer up a brief refresher of what actually happened in the film so when you're ready eric recap this movie go wow okay Uh, so all caps all caps yeah that's what we do so the McAllister family not learning anything from the year before decided they're gonna spend christmas in miami because for some reason you don't want to spend christmas in chicago i don't understand what it is they had to go to Paris one year. They're going to Miami this year. And everyone's gathering at the McAllister Chicago home. Kevin, he doesn't like to go to Florida. He wants to be around a real Christmas tree because, you know, they only have palm trees in the – you're turning me down in my headphones. What are you doing? You're killing me, Smalls. There I go. I sound a lot better now. Um, they only have palm trees in Florida. They don't have Christmas trees. Um, so he's a little upset about that. That night, they go to a Christmas pageant where Buzz and Kevin and all the family members who go to the local school there, they're doing this sing-along. Kevin has a beautiful solo, but Buzz ruins it and ends up uh, you know, causing Kevin to retaliate, which ruins the whole pageant. Uh, Buzz apologizes. Kevin, he kind of sees through it because it was kind of a fake apology. Uh, and the family, uh, they oversleep again, and they rush to make their flight. But guess what? Kevin actually makes it to the airport this time. He did it. He did it. He's not going to be left home alone That's again. That's the first step. Uh, my goodness. Well, while at the airport, he stops to put in batteries in his talk boy. What's a talk boy? We'll get to that later, I'm sure. And then he loses track of his dad. So he starts following someone else who looks like his dad from behind, and he ends up getting on the wrong plane, not going to Florida. Where's he going, Kyle? New York York City. Yes. Well, in New York, you can be a new man, but that's in Hamilton, not this movie. So anyway, uh, he gets to New York. He kind of sees the idea of, hey, my family's in Florida and I'm in New York. Let me tour around. He's got his dad's wallet with credit cards, money. He ends up going to the Plaza Hotel. We'll not mention that cameo that shows up later. And he uses his dad's credit card to check in. Meanwhile, Harry and Marv, you remember them? I do. Sure do. They're they're from the first film. They break out of prison. Mm Mm-hmm. And they're in New York. What a coincidence. You know you know what that smell is? It's freedom. It's fish. No, it's freedom. It's fish. No, it's freedom, and it's money. And it's fish. <laughs> and it's fish. So they're going to rob, they have a plan to rob all these toy stores in New York. Well, Kevin visited, visits this toy store owned by Mr. Duncan. Uh, learns that the proceeds from the store's Christmas sales are going to be donated to a children's hospital. 
Uh, and Duncan gives him these turtle dubs as a gift. Well, he walks outside, Kevin does, and he runs into Harry and Mark because New York City is not that big a place. You just run into random people that you've met once before in your life. And, yeah, so Harry and Marv chase Kevin around. They end up losing him. Well, not quite. He runs into the hotel room, and the concierge, played by uh, Tim Curry, uh, he ends up confronting him because they find out that the credit card he used was reported as stolen because, you know, his parents went to the police and said, hey, he's got my credit card. Let's report it as stolen. And, yeah, so he goes to the hotel. Great scene ensues. We'll talk about that later. But then he jumps into Harry and Marv's arms um, running out of the back of the hotel. Harry and Marv brag about their plan to kill him. This movie got dark real quick. Super fast. Very fast. And they brag about their plan to break into the toy store right at midnight. But then Kevin escapes. So Kevin goes through his dad's address book, finds out that his brother, the one who, uh, his dad's brother who lives in Paris, well, they're renovating a, um, a little uh, house in New York. You know, one of those, what are they called? Like condos or townhouses or townhouse. There's the word I'm looking for. So he uh, goes, he finds the house vacant. Yeah. Oh, excuse me. Brownstones. Thank you. Uh, he finds the house vacant. It looks kind of rough there, uh, undergoing renovations. So he goes to Central Park. He encounters a pigeon lady. They go to Carnegie Hall, where she explains how her life collapsed when her lover left her. And Kevin encourages her to trust people again and promises to be her friend because, you know, that's what this movie needed. Um, so after considering the pigeon lady's advice that he perform a good deed to make up for his misdeeds, he decides to prevent Harry and Moore from robbing the store. He goes back to his uncle's townhouse or brownstone, and he rigs it with booby traps because that's what he does. Then he goes to the toy store, takes Harry and Marv's picture during their robbery, breaks a window, triggers the store's alarm. He alerts them to the townhouse where they almost die. Like, literally. We'll talk about this later during Fun Facts, but they literally should have been dead. Um, He calls the police, lures them into Central Park. They capture him, but the pigeon lady intervenes. And Kevin sets off fireworks to signal the police they arrest Harry and Marv, who they miss the presents, by the way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, they're no longer the wet bandits. They're the sticky bandits, by the way. Um, Mr. Duncan finds a note from Kevin at the toy store explaining the robbery. And the whole time, the family's back in New York. They, they realize that he's in New York. They're, Kate, the mom's looking for him. They find Kevin under uh, the Rockefeller Center Christmas tree where Kevin's making a wish because that's how the tree thing at the beginning of the movie played in the to the plot somehow. Mm-hmm. Anyway, Christmas Day, a truckload of gifts arrived at the McAllister's hotel room from the toy store. Kevin reconciles with his family. He goes to Central Park and gives the pigeon lady the second turtle dub, cementing their friendship before they realize how much money he spent on room service. Yep. So, that's the movie. What do you think, Kyle? I love it. Cool, 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 cool. Uh, let's go into some information real quick. Uh, Home Alone 2, Lost in New York. 1992 American comedy film written and produced by John Hughes, directed by Chris Columbus. Uh, it's the second film in the Home Alone series, and it's the last one in the Home Alone series that we will talk about. Oh, come on. We're not going to do three? Three is not a Home Alone movie. Scarlett Johansson's in I there. don't care. It doesn't have uh, Kevin McAllister in it. Home Alone 4 does. Yeah, but that one doesn't count either. It's terrible. So, this film stars McCullough Culkin, Joe Pesci, Daniel Stern, John Hurd, Tim Curry, Brenda Fricker, and Catherine O'Hara, a.k.a. Ashby. So, yep. Um, the film falls Kevin, who must fend off two burglars, blah, blah, blah. Uh, filming for Home Alone 2 took place uh, in December of 91 to May 92 
in Chicago and New York. It was released on November 20th, 1992. Grossed over $173 million in revenue in the United States, $359 million worldwide against a budget of $28 million. It made a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Now, when I looked up the critics and the audience reception, I was a little shocked. Only 33% sold Rotten Tomatoes from the critics. They're 61% wrong. from the audience. That floored me. I figured everyone would love this movie. But the more important question is, Kyle and Ashby, do you like this movie? Ashby, you want to go first? Oh, I'm glad to hear that. Nice. I'll be honest. I was listening to a podcast earlier today on Home Alone, and it was Rotten Tomatoes podcast. And so they were trying to decide if the rating score it had received long ago was actually correct or not. And they voted for the most part that no, it was incorrect. It should have been much higher. But I don't disagree was, with that. There was a, a lady on there that was just did not care for this movie. And with Ashby, the way that she did not care for Elf, I was afraid of what was going to come with Home Alone Two today. All right, so, um, so why do why do we like this movie, Ashby? Whoa, no, whoa, th- whoa, 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 whoa. Eric doesn't. Hang on, hang, hang on now. They're the sticky bandits now, thank you. Oh, that's true. Everything else I agreed with. Oh, that, oh that is true. That is true. Look at the play on words there. Um. F- I that's agree fair. with that. That's fair. Because I was thinking about it too earlier, and this movie is honestly in multiple different sections. Because there's the section two where he's in, the, like, deals with the hotel people that's honestly not necessarily combined with all dealing with uh, Harry and Marv. So there's almost, you know, and it's it, it kind of intertwines here and there, but there's just different sections of this movie. But the overarching is where he's talking with the pigeon lady and everything with the toy store. Um, and everything else, so much better of a lesson learned throughout the overall thing, and then all the other things are just happening mixed in with it. At least that's how I see it. Absolutely. I, I like this film a lot, too. Um, it's really hard for me to, like, you know, I know I posed the question, you know, later on, you know, which movie do we like better, um, or which one do you think is the better movie? Like, it's really neck and neck for the original for me. Like, I don't know if I can choose one or the other. They're both, like, really good to me in so many different ways. I do agree with Ashby's, you know, like the le- the larger lessons learned in this movie seems to take more precedent over just more than just comedy. Like he's actually learning a lesson here. So, mm-hmm. um, so I agree with that. Um, what are some of your favorite scenes? 
I'll go first. Um, one of mine, and honestly, it's not so much. It's the location, but I love his first experience inside the toy store. Um, it reminds me a lot of whenever I was younger and I went to Toys R Us for the first time. Um, and I don't remember like going there frequently. We didn't visit Toys R Us often, but you know, you might would go to like KB Toys in like the Wilton Mall, or you would go to a toy store that was a little more local or whatever that was smaller and just a small little toy store. But to me, it was almost the same as when you walked into Toys R Us. It's this giant toy store that's just like everything you could ever imagine you know is in this store. And so whenever he gets dropped off at that giant toy store and he walks in, um, and just to see that on his face, it, it puts me back to being a child and walking into Toys R Us and just seeing that everywhere. Also, I just love his interaction. I love how they, they made it. A toy store made all the things happening in there. Um, and then just his interaction with Mr. Duncan and just how that goes. Like he, Me as a child, I would have gone in there and blown all that money that was in that book sack that he had. Um, but he, Kevin just bought very few little things yeah. and then checked out. Yeah. What about you, Ashby? What's your favorite, or some of your favorite scenes? That's awesome. That is really awesome. Um, so I like how Kyle has like this childhood like sense of wonder with his scene. It fits him. He's very on brand. Ashby has something like really emotional, like a little connection um, to the acting and to how the scenes played out and how she connects it with her family. And here I go with some comedy. Um, so like my favorite scenes all kind of centered around the Talk Boy. Okay. And the Talk Boy was this like little. It's basically like a Walkman, but with like a re little recording microphone, so you could record like people talking and then play it back and listen to them later. I mean, it was really kind of cool as a kid. Um, I think that I mentioned it on our favorite Christmas gifts episode last year. Did you have one? I had one. Yeah, I did too. It, yeah. It was one of the things I definitely wanted that year. I think I got one that year too. Mm -hmm. And um, did you have one, Ashby? 
you, you didn't even have the talk girl, like the pink version. Because they had a talk girl, too, because, you know, pink is girly. Mm-hmm. <sighs> tragic gotcha. that's good though honestly. Yes, honestly so um but yeah so the talk boy uh kevin you know this is basically product placement in this movie by the way um i don't even know if it was planned like for that to actually be a product or if the popularity of it in the movie caused him to actually make one i'm not sure how that worked out but um but yeah kevin would record like random people he recorded like his uncle like dancing in the shower um and he would record um the uh, the Plaza Hotel commercial, and he would use it, um, you know, when he got into sticky situations, um, specifically whenever Mr. Hector, who was never named in the movie, but that's the concierge played by Tim Curry, uh, was kind of snooping around the bed, uh, the the suite one night, and uh, Kevin turns on the talk boy. It must have great speakers, and you know, the bathroom had great acoustics. Yeah, the gr- bathroom had great acoustics. He blows up a little clown doll that his mom had given him and puts the clown doll in the shower and plays the talk boy and it makes him think that, um, or makes Mr. Hector think that it's Kevin's dad and he's peeking at him and it, of course turns the clown around like in the shower. You see the outline of him in the shower, you know, you quit, you know, being nosy, you little pervert or I'm going to slap you silly, you know, just, and I, I'm laughing my, my tail off at that. I love that scene. And, of course, any scene with Tim Curry, you know, with some physical comedy mm-hmm. is great because he runs across the room and he trips over, you know, trying to get out of the room. And then later, whenever uh, Kevin's trying to get away from both Marvin Harry and then also from the hotel staff who knows the credit card is stolen, he goes to the room and he plays Angels with Filthier Souls, the sequel to the movie he watched in the first movie. Mm-hmm. And they go through this whole, you know, misunderstanding thing like they did in the first movie. But I love it. Like, it's, it's like, literally, I... I quote this all the time, um, you know, don't worry, I believe you, but my Tommy gun don't. Mm-hmm. I mean, how many times have I quoted that, you know, in the past few months? I mean, I'm still I, waiting for you to pull out the Tommy gun. Well, yes, he is. So, uh, but that, those scenes like were really like hilarious to me and they're the ones that stick out to me. So, uh, not sentimental, not childhood like wonder, but just funny because that's what I get with. So my favorite scenes, let's jump into favorite quotes. All right, Ashby, you want to go first on this one? Yes. Yes, to uh, Rob Schneider, by the way. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Cedric, don't count your tips in public. The finest in New York. <laughs> good, good stuff. How did my hair look? <laughs> oh my goodness, good stuff. One that Erica and I love every time is he says he's beating up the uh, Harry and Marv. He says, You give up? Never! <laughs> He does something really similar in the first movie, and I would kept waiting for him to scream never, but he never does because it's the second movie. Yeah, the first movie's like, you, you guys give up or are you thirsty for yeah. more? And this one, you guys give up, never! I think one of my favorite Tim Curry lines, too, is literally, it's just like, nice cheese pizza. 
Courtesy of the Plaza Hotel. Mm -hmm. Yes. Like I was spying on your dad in the bathroom, so here's a free cheese pizza. (laughs) Here's a free cheese pizza. Yep. Good stuff. How about Uh, you? Oh, my goodness. Uh, I've already quoted a few of them. Um, I really like their – Marv and Harry have their ears to this door. They they pulled the doorknob. And the doorknob comes out, mm-hmm. like, and they hear this racket behind the door while they're in Kevin's uncle's townhouse or brownstone. And then this tool chest flattens them, like, knocks them over, like, knocks them mm-hmm. out. And Marv's like, that was the sound of a tool chest <laughs> falling down the stairs. <laughs> love it, love it, love it, love it. Mm-hmm. Um I mentioned uh, Uncle Frank, get out of here. You know he's a little perfect. I'm going to slap you silly. Um, the whole, like, angels with filthier souls bit, mm-hmm. you know, that's like. I just love the genius of that, to make another movie to play inside of your movie. Yes. I mean, I know it's in both movies, but just to think to do that. Because as a child, I fully, you know, bought that that was a real movie. Like, that they were just playing in the midst of it. Uh, Ashby, I'm going to need you to help me out here. Um, so, like, one of the lines is, like, multiple lines, but it's the same line where they're at, like, the bag, you know, picking up the bags at the airport. Uh, give this to Kevin. Give this to Kevin. Give this to Kevin. Oh, Kevin's not here. Kevin's not here. Kevin's not here. And then the dad's like, what? And then the mom, Kate, is just laughing. And then she has this iconic line, which is... <laughs> I still want to record that. Like, yes, that's what you should do tomorrow, Ashby. <laughs> Just stare at your phone, record you screaming, and then fall down. <laughs> Good. Do it close to your bed, though. So when you fall back, you have somewhere safe to land. Absolutely. Um, I mentioned this last week on the podcast, uh, but. Uh, the waiter asking Kevin, would you like two scoops, sir? And Kevin, two? Nah, make it three. I'm not driving. Just a great iconic mm-hmm. line. Um, but yeah, uh, you were here. You were smooching with my brother. Um, you know, and the, you know, the two different reactions. You have the, the girl in the movie who's like, you know, I would never do that. And then the reaction with, um, the hotel staff kind of playing it out. And then he goes on with like, don't give me that. You've been smooching with everybody. And he goes with Cliff as the last person. And the security officer's name is Cliff. And just their reaction is just hilarious to me. Mm-hmm. So, um, but yeah, so those are some favorite, um, some favorite quotes of mine. So um, what's next on our list, Kyle? What worked best? Uh, it says, uh, what age the best since the movie is almost 30 years old. So, so yeah, um, we can um, put those two together. Like, what worked best for this film, but also since this movie's almost thirty years old, did anything age like really well? You know, seeing this is part of like nineteen early nineteen nineties, you know, Americana or mm-hmm. culture or whatever. So, something that I took from it is because now that I have a nephew who's six, and I think about, you know, Kevin's a little bit older, but as I'm watching these movies, even the first one and this one as well, I can't help but to picture my nephew almost as Kevin in some of these moments, and just to experience like. The pranks, I think they still hold up. Like how he, you know, pretty much how he plans to kill the two, you know, bad guys. But just the humor in that as a child watching those things whenever I was younger. Um, I think I mentioned it last year with Home Alone 1 that I remember this being one of the movies that every year when it came on, my dad wanted us as a family to sit down and watch because he would just laugh and laugh and laugh at this. 
Uh, and so for me, I think that kids today could still sit down um, and see these things and just play them out in their mind of how would I try to take down a burglar? Or what would I do? Even, you know, they're probably more advanced now with electronics and things. Um, but just, I think that it still holds up now. Sure. You've got to be careful about what you show. Cause you know, throwing bricks at people is not safe. Yes. Uh, but I do think for the most part that can still carry on to kids that they would just get the same humor, um, and joy out of that. Ashley, what you got? Right. <laughs> I did, yep. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree with that too. And um, you know, I've got like for what worked the best. I feel like Macaulay Culkin. He's a little older in this movie, and I feel like his acting like it, it's better in this movie than it is in the first movie because in the first movie he's just a kid and he's doing what you know he's he's cute. But I feel like there's actually like so, like decent acting from a child actor here in this first movie or in the second movie here. Uh, so I feel like that worked really well. The Harry um, Marv tag team uh, tandem works really well again. You know. Just their comedy works really well. And then for what aged the best here, like the um, Kate McAllister, the mom, having this like great connection with the youngest child. Like, and maybe Kyle, maybe you can kind of, you know, since you are the youngest in your family, um, you know, with your mom and dad, like 
like from me and Ashley's point of view, we're both the oldest. Mm-hmm. So like we maybe we're, we're looking at it from outside lens, but I know my youngest brother, like my mom just has this bond with him that, you know, like not that she doesn't have a bond with any of us, but it's a different kind of bond that, you know, like she has a different kind of bond with me since I'm the oldest, but like my youngest brother, like, you know, just looking at that relationship, it's a different kind of bond. And I felt like that was represented really well in this movie. Like it aged really well. I feel like that's still something that takes place now. I mean, can you speak to any kind of treats with that? I think so. Um, I was very much a mama's boy growing up and being my sister's five years older than I am. And so my mom had gone through that experience with my sister where she was very loving and wanted to be all around my mom and everything else. And then teenager years hit and, you know, you're too cool to be around your parents anymore. You don't want to do that. And whenever that was hitting with my sister, where, you know, they would argue because my sister, you know, knew better because she was a teenager and, you know, you know what's better than your parents because they have no idea and, you know, how we think and feel at that point in our lives. I was the five-year-old younger than that swooping in to be like, I still love you, Mom. I will never treat you that way when I get older, you know. And so... I definitely think there is that bond there that, you know, if I had a situation, I would have always called her. Um, And I still, you know, I feel like my sister and I have still have a great relationship with my mom one way or the other. But I do feel like there's probably a little bit of a difference where, um, I don't know, maybe a more emotional side or something like that with my mom. But, yeah. All right. Uh, Nitpicks or, and also what age the worst. So, uh. What are you, you going to nitpick here, Kyle? Well, I think Ashby hit on a lot of good ones. I mean, it's the obvious ones that us as adults get. Um, honestly, there was not a – well, there are some. Don't get me wrong, and I'll, I'll hit a few. But something in my mind as I was watching it again is, you know, there's some other movies that don't age well because of humor not really being as funny as what we thought it once was um, and cultural things like that. That's not so much of an issue in this movie. Um, I was expecting it just because of the time period, but it wasn't like it's more of your obvious things, like Ashby mentioned too, where clothing and things, but then also like in a post nine eleven world, you would never be able to move so freely in a in an airport. Um, you most likely would never end up on the wrong flight. You probably miss a flight, but the, the way they check things and scan things, they wouldn't let you just bump into a lady and then just put you on a plane hoping that, that you know, you're on the right place. Um, also, they probably, you know, would make sure that he actually spoke to the parent and not just, do you see your family? Okay, great. Grab a seat anywhere because, you know, the plane's packed. That's the big one that stands out to me, just going. I never took a flight before 9-11, so all of my experiences afterwards and just knowing the different things that you have to go through and more security and more things mm-hmm. um, and processes now. Um, and just to see that type of thing, I, I do remember the first time I ever did take a flight, we very much had the home alone scene where our entire family was running through the airport because our gate was the last one. Um, and we just didn't make it in time. But I think that's the thing that stood out to me is, is the plane stuff now. Any nitpicks for you? Yeah. (laughs) Nice. Same. Any uh, nitpicks for you, Ashby, or anything that aged the worst? Um, I mean, like, I'm going to call it luck at this point. Like, I didn't see 
Mm-hmm. Right. True. Um, but if you if you've ever been in a big city, you realize very quickly that no one around you cares mm, yep. about what you're doing. They're all very wrapped up in their own their own thing. And when you live on top of another another like that, there is a sort of sense of like a social blindness where you have a, a pact to sort of look away from things when you live on top of one another like that. Mm-hmm. Well, I'll, I'll go ahead and go with my nitpicks and the things that age towards for me. If you think of it, you can jump back in. Um, my biggest nitpick, uh, like there's a couple of them, but they both like involve like Harry and Marv. Like, so first of all, nitpick in of all the people in New York, they happen to randomly run across Kevin at the exact same time that they're out of jail and he accidentally got flown from Chicago to New York instead of Miami. Like that's almost a little too unbelievable for my taste. I know it, you know, like you said, movie magic or whatever, but that's just a, that's a nitpick of mine. Like there's no way that ever happens. I'm sorry. Um, the other nitpick I have with uh, Harry and Marv is in the first movie, they were just robbers, right? Like, and you know, they didn't really like, they wanted to, you know, rob their, you know, their houses and stuff. And they weren't, you know, other than threatening to bite off Kevin's fingers because he maimed them and tortured them. Like, you know, they were just robbers. In this movie, they want to kill him. And again, maybe it's because they went through all that torture in the first movie, but they're open about the fact that, hey, I've got a gun. I'm going to shoot you. I'm going to put you on some ice. You're going to go to heaven. Uh, that You know, American doesn't fly to the promised land, little buddy. Um, you know, you know, you'll talk to the undertaker or whatever, or a dead fish or like, they're very open about their intent to be murderous with this kid. And I'm like, Yeah, he's like, you knock. Yeah, he even tells Kevin himself, like, when he's at the bottom of the brownstone and Kevin's on top throwing bricks at him. And he's like, hey, throw down the camera. We won't hurt you. Knocking off a youngster on Christmas Eve isn't going to mean all that much to me. You understand? I mean, it's like, man, I don't understand. Like, again, maybe it has something to do with the fact that they literally got their butts whipped by Kevin in the first movie. But that's just a big nitpick to me. And then what aged the worst for me, like this is one of my favorite scenes, but looking on it through like non-biased lenses, the scene where the hotel staff is being fooled by Kevin playing Angels with Filthier Souls, and he jumps out into the hallway, and it's played for last, but he's telling everyone, stay in your room, this is an emergency. There's a madman, you know, there, there's an insane guest with a gun. And thinking about, you know, like, I go back and think about what happened in Las Vegas a few years ago where there was a mass shooting off of a hotel balcony um, like and how many mass shootings we've had in public places like that. To me, that just that aged the worst for me. It was played for laughs. I get it. But knowing what we know now 
And with the, you know, other than 2020 because of COVID, uh, the rise of mass shootings in America over the past decade, um, that just aged very poorly for me. So, uh, any thoughts, comments? Sorry, I can agree with that. The mics for Ashby's just a little staticky. Gotcha. I'm just trying to adjust that real quick. Gotcha. Uh, do you have any questions about this movie that's been left unanswered? I do. Okay. Sorry, it's just staticky. Let's pause for a second and get this straight. Yeah. Hang, hang on. Okay. I, I think it's fine. It's okay if it's... Okay, you got your your nitpick? Okay, go ahead. His brother, uh, I think it's his brother-in-law. I think it is his in-laws. Well, it's, it's like his brother-in-law, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I think Kate and Frank are brother and sister, I think. Okay. No, no, no. In the first movie, in, my, in the first movie, he says, it's my brother's house. He'll pay for it when talking about the pizzas. So, mm-hmm. I, I think it is Kevin's. Okay, so his brother, yeah. Right. I think it's his. I think it's uh, the think dad's brother. Brothers. Yeah, there's three brothers. One lives in Paris. That has a brownstone in Manhattan. They're renovating. Sure. Either that, either that, or the mob. I mean, either that or they're yeah, yeah. So I mean, well, there's great like rabbit holes, like theories out there, like you know, about that. Well, I even had a note on that, too, just because I'm assuming that the hotel is paying for their family to stay there because they give them, like, the nicest suite and everything else. So I feel like the hotel's comping that. And so that's my thought. Like, if you're going to pay for the whole suite, to be sure you're not going to come give them the room service bill. Like, I just don't imagine that, you know, and I could be wrong. Um, one other like thing that I had written originally as like a nitpick, um, is the child just checking in at the hotel and just how easy that was for him. But then the more I thought about it, it's probably a lot more common, especially nowadays 
with technology and everything the way it is and just, you know, phones and everything else that I'm sure there are business people that just drop their kid off and they just go in and check in, like, not necessarily around here. You just, you know, you wouldn't see that so much, but like in big cities like that, I'm sure it probably isn't as wild as what my brain wants to think it is. Right. But, um, all right, so let's jump into uh, have any questions? Uh, uh, unanswered question. Yes, Sorry. unanswered questions. I'll go ahead and jump in on this one real quick. Uh, jump so, in. Uh, this is the same un- unanswered question I think I had last year when we did Home Alone 1. In the, in the first movie, Kevin is eight years old. In this movie, he's 10, but only a year has passed. What kind of time vortex did Kevin get into to age two years in the span of one? Hmm. That's, that can also be a nitpick, but it's just an unanswered question. Like, why is he 10 this year and not nine? It could just be, well, never mind. It's nope. all at Christmas. Nope, so they're both at Christmas. I didn't know if it was like late one year, early the next, but no, it's at no, Christmas. It's they Christmas, Christmas, yep. Sorry. Um, mine was, was who? Like, what's the pigeon lady's name? Uh, we don't know. And it's in my brain, I thought that we found out. I literally went search for this today. Because, you know, she knows Kevin's name, and so I was thinking there's a moment. Like, Well, she given a name in the script because we talked about earlier that Tim Curry's character was never named but in the script, he was named Mr. Hector. Well, she just called Pigeon Lady in the she script? She was. Wow. I went and looked through online today. trying, to, And the only thing it'll tell you is just the actress's name, but it won't tell you. Like It just it literally says Pigeon Lady. Wow. So I would like to know. Honestly, so, like, so with that then, let's come up with a name for Pigeon Lady. Yes. Well, you know, it's funny because I think she was based on Mary Poppins. Like, no, no, no lie. So, I don't know. She always, like, her face, her face and, like, just her loving nature always reminded me of the babysitter that kept me when I was little, uh, Linda Edwards. So, I always think of, I more so just think of Nana because that's what I called her. I, I was going to so I was going to say Nanny McPhee. Okay. That, that's what she, who she reminds me of. So. Honestly, I would love to see, you know, in the world we live in where you get so many little spinoffs, I would love to see, you know, a half hour or an hour show just real quick, you know, not a weekly thing, but just like, like a, her backstory with yep. her family because it's going to be an emotional one. It's not something <laughs> with glory, obviously, but the life leading up to where she is now. Like She tells us the history of it where she had a loving, you know, a husband that she loved and she wanted kids, but, you know, that didn't work out and the husband left her and... yeah. She had a home and everything else. So I, I can see the ten episode Netflix series or Disney Plus series where you have characters from Home Alone. Their backstory: you can get Old Man Marley. Mm-hmm. You can get what what happened to Buzz as he grew up. Was mm-hmm. he always a jerk? You can get Uncle He's Frank's a lawyer now. I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure he is. You can get Uncle Frank's backstory: why is he the cheapskate of the family? Mm-hmm. I mean, all these different little random facts. Ten episode uh, Disney Plus series. Come on, Disney. I know you're having your investors meeting tonight and you're announcing a bunch of Marvel stuff. I just tweeted, uh, tagged you in a tweet, by the way, Ashby. Um, we can talk about that later off the air, but new winner, Falcon Soldier uh, date, March 20, uh, 2021. Uh, just saying. But yeah, so. I would love to see also spinoff. <laughs> I would love to see the spinoff of Harry and Marvin Jail. Yes. And, and the breakout plan and how that all worked out. Yes, how they broke, like a little prison break episode. Mm-hmm. And then the presence that they missed. Yep. Nice. Yep. Very nice. Very nice. I'll be very excited to see. It's one of those things that that's been rumored for years, 
where like you would see fan made flyers that look so real that you assume it's the real thing. Um, and it's in the same way you see it on Facebook pop up over the years and then it turns out it's not true at all. So it's awesome to see this actually official. Um, do you have any unanswered questions, Ashby? Gotcha. I had one. Uh, Mr. Duncan, how did he know about Kevin's family? Yeah, and, and how did he know where the, where he was staying? Yeah, because they didn't even know at any time that Mr. Duncan talked to Kevin, he didn't know. Exactly. I assume Mr. Duncan's just got connections. I mean, he runs the most giant toy store in the area. But like Maybe he talked to the cop, and the cop was like, well, I just heard from this other guy. They're looking for the, this kid running away in New York mm-hmm. and who's also named Kevin, and maybe they made the connection that way. But I, that's a great, great unanswered question, like how do you know? Because at first I thought, like, I've never assumed that there's names on the presents, but I feel like the uncle throws that a little weird, where, like, Buzz is, you know, does the whole thing. He's like, Kevin gets to open the first present, and technically he doesn't. He just gets a present, and then all of them tear in at the same time. Yep. But the uncle also says, don't open any of mine, which yeah. would there be, there wouldn't be names. I'm assuming it's all just presents. Yeah. Assuming that he owns a toy store, I imagine it's all toys. Probably. Either way. All right, let's move on to the random section. Anything you want to add, favorite theory, rabbit hole you went down. We kind of already discussed if you thought this movie was better or worse than Home Alone 1. Uh, but anything random or a theory? So, I, I think you might be going over this in fun facts, so I won't talk about it in depth. But the Home Alone franchise is the only Yes. A lot of fun with that. Yeah, I am definitely talking about this. I actually bought a brought a book that will help me to discuss these injuries a little more in depth. So, um, for me, something that I remember uh, this is kind of outside of the movie, but the video game on NES. My sister had it, um, and I was not good at it. You know, honestly, I was five or less, but playing it, and I was just wasn't ever any good. It's, it was a tough game for me, but I do remember like vacuum cleaners tried to attack you inside the hotel. I remember you getting like beads and stuff and breaking them up, trying to make the vacuum cleaners like fall over or also the people at the hotel, like the room, like the tenants and everyone else there were chasing you down throughout the hotel. Um, it was a tough game to play. Uh, I probably liked, who knows if it'd be tough now, but I just remember that standing out being another part of my childhood was constantly trying to play that game as well. Oh, it's nice. Uh, what was your what the what moment? The moment where you geeked out the most? Go ahead, Ashby. I get that because the same way that even watching it constantly there's always those random people that pop up like I feel like honestly I feel like I forget the hotel staff sometimes just because you're so caught up in his family and then Harry and Marv but there's so much more character you know other characters that tie into the overall story. I think you forget, like, the big character. So, like, I'm sure that I noticed before, but, again, the first time watching it this year for the season, I noticed that the 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we missed it. You brought that to our attention today when we were texting each other. Like when I sent that picture, and you're like, first of all, that's Ali Sheedy back off. I'm like, wait, what? And I saw, like, it is. It is Ali Sheedy. Oh, my goodness. So, so crazy. Uh, what about you, Kyle? Your what, what moment? I, I viewed it as two different sides. I tried to go back and remember as a kid seeing it for the first time and that what, what moment. And I really, just not to get in detail again, but just the overall walking out as a child to a limousine with a whole pizza for yourself, taking you anywhere, and it ends up taking you to a giant toy store is literally like the ultimate childhood dream for me. So I think that's the amazing thing. The other side of it that I look at now is when we went to New York for our senior trip in high school, we made sure that we went through the park and it was pointed out to us like, this is where this scene was shot. This is where this was taken care of. We were taken on a tour through the hotel he stayed at, the Plaza Hotel. Um, we went to the FR, what is it, Ashby? Uh, the toy store. F.A. Schwartz. No. Um, it's the F.R.O. Schwartz or whatever. I'm probably saying the letters wrong. Schwartz, either way. Um, they had the giant toy store there. So that was, and honestly, it's not, growing up, I assumed it was filmed in the same place. It's not. Um, but it's pretty much based off of that toy store that was so big. Um, and they even have like the, yeah, yeah. So, cause they still have that piano there and I think they move locations, but I don't know. I know. Yeah, there you go. I think they shut down possibly at the beginning of all this COVID mess, but I don't know if that's true or not. That's something I heard earlier. Uh, my what the what moment. Oh, okay. Go ahead, Ashby. You're good. Okay, yeah, I know they moved. I just I heard something on the podcast today talking about how they closed at COVID, but I'm assuming it was older and they closed while they were moving type deal. Gotcha. Uh, my what the what moment, uh, I think in every film, or every, well, both of these Home Alone films, is the montage of him setting up the booby traps, starting with the unrolling of his battle plan, which I believe in this uh, movie is called Operation Ho, Ho, Ho. Mm-hmm. So uh, that would be my what the what moment. Um, And then our last question before we go into our fun facts and our social media shout outs. Who won the movie? Kyle? I'm always trying to think outside the box. And there's part of it that's Kevin, but it's not because he's back with his family again. Uh, Honestly, I put the pigeon lady one. Yeah. Because she made a friend finally. She finally had somebody that acknowledged her in a city that... They go out of their way to not acknowledge people, and especially if someone in her situation. Um, and so I think she wins, but I don't know if that's a long-term win for her, so much as for Kevin that it's a long-term situation where he goes out of his way. He sees there's the difference. you know, He sees her, and at first he's really scared, but now that he's a little bit older, he doesn't let that stick to him. He finally goes and speaks to her and acknowledges, like, you know, I was, I was scared of you, but I'm not now, and to spend the time he spent with her and what he learned from her, um, I think can, you know, and probably would change his life for the rest of his life. Um, but I don't know if that sways more towards Pigeon Lady or Kevin McAllister. But right. What do you think, Ashby? Look at you. 
I'm not vote. Okay, so I'm not voting against kids in the hospital getting the money. So I'm um, sorry, Kyle. No, um, man, that's fine. Honestly, like I, I, it was probably going to be Kevin for me because he learned valuable lessons. Mm-hmm. He got to reunite with his family. He got away with. I mean, basically, he got away with living in New York on his dad's money for a while. Um, met new friends, ca- caught a bunch of bad guys, made sure money was being delivered to the children's home. I mean, that was going to be mine. But, yeah, get that money, kids, uh, in the children's hospital. Get that money. <laughs> Maybe I'm off my hinges, but I believe you. That's why I'm going to let you go. I'm going to give you to the count of three to get your lousy, lion. Low down floor, flushing carcass out my door. One, two, and that's where we'll stop. With two fun facts and observations each, so six total, about Home Alone 2. Ashby, you get to go first. Nice. That's awesome. Director Chris Columbus, by the way, not the guy who sailed the ocean in 1492 and then committed genocide. Anyway, uh, number two. Is this Ashby or is this me? You. Okay. Yeah, we, we, go, we don't go two in a row. I didn't row, think yeah. so. That's what I'm not sure. Um, Macaulay Culkin was paid $4.5 to play Kevin this movie. Oh, wow. Um, that was the biggest salary ever for a 12-year-old. Made a little bit of bank there. A little bit of bank. And then his parents stole it. Same. Um, I'll go with number three. Uh, we talked about Kevin's room service bill was massive. Here's what he ordered. Uh, he ordered two chocolate cakes, six chocolate mousses with chocolate, vanilla, and strawberry ice cream topped with M&M's, chocolate sprinkles, cherries, nuts, marshmallows, caramel syrup, chocolate syrup, strawberry syrup, whipped cream, and bananas, six custard flans, a pastry cart, eight strawberry tarts, and 36 chocolate-covered strawberries. I'm assuming they probably charged him for all the cookies he took out of the uh, the little cookie um like, a little bin. Yeah, a little bin. But all that cost $967. So, yeah. Number four, Ashby. I don't, I don't really have anything else. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> it was going to be Ali Sheedy, but Larry Clark's not there. Ali's just going to be the first All right. Well, number five then. Ali Sheedy will be number four. Number five, Kyle. Okay. Uh, the number for the Plaza Hotel was actually the real number to the Plaza Hotel in this movie, whereas typically there's a fake number with 555 in it. This was actually the real number. So after this was put out there, there was a ton of people constantly calling and uh, giving the Plaza Hotel a fit because it was the real number. Awesome. Well, uh, my number six comes from uh, Mick Foley, who wrote, like, he's written, like, five autobiographies at the point. Mick Foley, the wrestler, he wrestled as Mankind, Cactus Jack, and Dude Love in World Championship Wrestling and the WWE and other promotions throughout his time as a wrestler. Uh, in his second autobiography, he decided to do a little research um, on the uh, like TV violence and other things that affect uh, how television patterns are, um, are consumed by children and teens and stuff like that. He uh, consulted and saw a study done by the University of Illinois uh, by a Dr. Gans, who was... Uh, noticing all the violent trends in wrestling. So he, McFoley, compared them 
to Home Alone, which is PG rated for family uh, friendliness. And he also did Home Alone 2. And he went specifically to the violence that was done towards Harry and Marv. And uh, I'm going to quote him here. He says, I was so impressed with my Home Alone results that I decided to investigate the sequel Home Alone 2. I could feel for the director while I watched this one. In some ways, I'm sure he felt the pressure to top the first one, much as I have felt the pressure to top some of the big matches of my past. Here's how they topped it. Four bricks to the head from a height of four stories. Staple gun to the buttocks. Ten foot fall backwards into concrete. Twenty foot fall face first into concrete. Sixteen second electrocution. Blow torch sets hair on fire for 17 seconds. 100-pound sandbag drops on head from 20 feet. Steel object swinging 10 feet into faces of two men, followed by simultaneously 25-foot falls onto concrete. Steel object then drops 25 feet on top of them. Heavy tool cart goes down flight of stairs and sandwiches his men into wall. Two simultaneous 30-foot falls off a rope onto concrete. He then spoke with Dr. Quarles, who was the WWE uh, medical doctor on staff at the time, about the fate of the two victims. Things were not looking good for them. He said, let's take a look. So, bricks to the head can result in death, skull fracture, or intracranial bleeding. Staple gun to the buttocks, puncture wounds. Ten-foot fall into concrete would be impact fracture where skull caves in, various vertebrae fractures, herniated discs, soft tissue injuries, lacerations, contusions, and organ contusions. Twenty-foot fall face fart on the concrete, death. High likelihood of multiple skeletal extremity fractures, organ contusions, and possible possible ruptures, intra-abdominal bleeds, and cranial injuries and bleeds. 16-second electrocution, cardiac arrest, possible death. Blow torch to the head would uh, lead to the flames engulfing the head, definite third-degree burns, and skin meltdowns. The 100-pound sandbag, skull fracture, vertebrae fracture, intracranial bleeds, paralysis, and death. Steel objects to the face followed by 25-foot fall into the concrete would lead to blowout fractures of the orbit, dental fractures, and intracranial bleeds. Uh, tool cart, possible death, rib fractures, uh, organ punctures, and then the 30-foot falls. Seat number one followed by contusions, facial fractures, and broken bones. Pretty devastating stuff, huh? It kind of makes you wonder why Joe Pesci and Daniel Stern, the victims of all the deadly abuse, aren't kicking tail and taking names in the WWE. After all, they withstood all that abuse and were still on their feet at the movie's end. For crying out loud, guys, would you please sell the moves a little bit? Even Al Snow would have stayed down after a 30-foot fall. <laughs> so uh, that's my number six. All the injuries um, and just a fun little wrestling connection for me and Kyle. So, um, let's move on. I think I've got a nice little segue here for our social media shout outs. Uh, hold it right there. This is the social media shout out, sir. I knew it was you. I can smell you getting off the elevator. You was here last week too, wasn't you? Yes, sir. I was. You was here and you were smooching with my brother. But. I'm afraid you're mistaken, Don't sir. give me that. You've been smooching with everybody. Snuffy, Al, Leo, Little Mo with a gimpy leg, Cheeks, Bony Bob, Cliff. I could go on forever, baby. I'm terribly sorry, sir. But I'm afraid you're mistaken. You see, this is where we share our social media comments. All right. I believe you. I sure hope so, because we're using 
my iPad to record Facebook Live, and we're using my phone to record Ashby. So yeah. turn it over to you, Coach Creech, with the social media shout Oh, I got to do the social media shout <laughs> Or Ashby1. Ashby, you've if got you want to pull up the gram, we'll let uh, Eric pull up the Facebook. Oh, I'm okay. I'm going to Facebook. Wow. I wish I would have had a little more of a heads up, but I didn't think about the fact we're using all of your stuff to do all the recording stuff. So going into Facebook here. I don't know how many we have on the actual Facebook. If you go to mine after that one, there's a lot Just more. want all the hits. I see how it is. Mm-hmm. All the hits. Ashby, if you get to the Instagram stuff before I do, feel free to talk. Um, let's see. All right. I've got three comments here. Um, Christopher B. Highfield says that both Home Alone are a must-watch over the holidays. Not a fan of number three, but he will still watch it as well. And Matt Targaglia, I butchered his name like you do every week, mm-hmm. he says it's an awesome Christmas classic. Ashby, if you'd like to go ahead and jump in while I look for some more. Or not. You don't have to. Oh, sorry, <laughs> Can Do we you? have any on Instagram? I yeah. don't know if we did or not. Oh, so okay. Well, I've got, I've got, I've got Kyle's uh, some more quotes here. Uh, Brandy Brinchek Sauer says, "OMG, I will now see the same thing." Ha ha ha. Talk about um, Ashby. talking about Ashby looking like Ke- um, Kevin's mom. Uh, Erica, uh, Kyle's wife, says thoughts and memories consist of Kevin even making it into the second movie after his mom told him to get upstairs, and his response was, "I'm upstairs, dummy." <laughs> Mm-hmm. She comments on that every time, but how her mom would have knocked her silly yeah. if she would have resp- talked back to her that way. Uh, Joy Woods Wright, big fan of the pod, says, okay, as a mom of four-plus spares, I still can't understand how they left the poor kid once, let alone twice. Seems like Kevin had some issues to allow himself to get lost the second time. And while I am morally opposed to a leash on your child, I highly recommend it to them. I love that this kid was so incredibly resourceful, given his age and trauma of being left. JT Taylor says, it's now Ashby Brame's duty to recreate the famous Kevin scene. You have to, and we're going to make that happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, Elizabeth Balance Rhodes says, as a mom now, when Kevin asks in Home Alone 1 to see his family for Christmas, it literally breaks me. And then when his mom makes it home, I am literally in tears. Danielle Taylor says, Home Alone is the Christmas tradition as Hocus Pocus is the Halloween's. That's how you do analogies, ladies mm-hmm. and gentlemen. Uh, Chris Rhodes says, best movie of the franchise, of all two of them. I agree. Uh, he's, Four of them. Two of them. Four. His, hush, two of them. I'm doing the social media shout-outs. Hush. Uh, and fish. <laughs> thoughts. Uh, Chris says, number one, there's no way the family gets all the way to Miami and forget Kevin. He should have had a leash by now. Number two, I love, love, love Tim Curry and Rob Schneider. Number three, I feel the pain of Kevin's dad when he gets the bill. Number four, I still laugh at the scene where Kevin loses his bathing suit when jumping in the pool. Number five, I hate how Kevin is the scapegoat and no one else is held accountable for their actions. June Edwards, Kyle's aunt. Always questioned the parenting in Home Alone 1. Why didn't they save Kevin some cheese pizza? Who was looking out for him? Oh, he was really good at talking back to adults. No boundaries. In Home Alone 2, Buzz was the one who actually wrecked the concert. No punishment for him, and his apology was nice. I think those parents needed to enroll in Parenting 101. Uh, and Elizabeth Balance Rhodes uh, commented with that. They definitely took on a fend for yourself parenting technique, and I always get mad at Buzz because he was the one who made everyone laugh at Kevin during the concert, but Kevin got in trouble for being angry about it and not willing to apologize fakely like Buzz did. And then June Edwards again commented, hey, do you remember the talk boy in Home Alone 2? Mm-hmm. Lewis Edwards got one for Christmas. If you want one now, you'll need to pay big. There, There's one on Amazon right now, collectible like new, for $690. Uh, ask me maybe you can get that for me and Kyle for Christmas, maybe. Mm-hmm. Maybe. 
<laughs> sure. And then the last comment, Kelly Sperry says, OMG, Kyle Whitley, I've always thought of Ashby Brain when watching Home Alone. Glad I'm not the only one. So that's all Facebook comments. You're famous, Ashby. You're famous. Nice. You should just yell Kevin and run away every time. Kevin! <laughs> yes, yes, absolutely. Uh, thank you all for those of you who commented on our social media uh, this week and every week. We really appreciate it. Um, we're really grateful. We also had a few new uh, subscribers this week to mm-hmm. the Facebook. So, um Big shout-outs to you as well. Uh, Ashby, you want to lead us into our final thoughts? The finest on the internet. Mm. A big thank you to Ricky Lyles for all of his contributions to today's episode. He's hosting us again this week and possibly even next week. We'll see. Uh, thank you, Ashby, for joining us on the What the What Hotline. Mm-hmm. Uh, we hope that you all enjoyed this discussion as much as we did <laughs> and that you're as pumped for the rest of this journey into pop culture as we are. Next week, be sure to join us as we discuss our top three controversial Christmas movies. Mm. Until next time, Merry Christmas, you filthy animals, and a Happy New Year. Stay as cool as the other side of the pillow. And we'll see you next week on the What the What podcast. What the what?